Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time it is in your hemisphere that you're hearing the sound of my voice, I would like to take this opportunity to welcome you to the It's Real Radio Talk Show, where we deal with real talk on real issues. I am your host, Elder Coilette James, and as always, it is such a blessing and an honor to be able to connect with you in the airwaves. God is such an incredible God, and we give him all the praise, the glory, and the honor for a chance and the opportunity to always Mm -hmm. share in his goodness. We so look forward to these broadcasts because it gives us an opportunity to connect with like-minded people and just to enjoy the camaraderie and the fellowship of our Father because he is such a good, good father. And as always, mm. I have my sidekick, my bestie, mm. my sister in the Lord, my wonderful, wonderful co-host, Miss Tanya Roberts. How are you today, my sister? It is beautiful. I'm awesome. Even through opposition, God still shows up and shows out. It's autumn, you guys. It's cooler. I'm putting up my little flowers and doing my little autumn, little decoration. I like cooking fish. You know I do. <laughs> Making soup, stews, yes. and chilies. It is awesome. Mm-hmm. I need to come down to Augusta so I can get a good meal. You need to come on, girl. Let me put a little meat on your bones. <laughs> I'm trying to get the meat off my bones, but thank you. <laughs> I do want some good cooking, though. I do, I do, I do. Ah, for real, for real. But it is, it's so beautiful out. It is that there's a like a little Christmas in the air without it being like cold, cold. Um, the leaves are turning colors. It's a new season, you know, and it's so wonderful when you can embrace the different seasons of life. Just like we yeah. embrace the different seasons in the natural, we have to learn to embrace the different seasons in the spiritual realm and in our lives Amen. in general. And Amen. It's, it's good Amen. when you can do that. It's, it's really mm-hmm. good when you can do that. We have a special guest today, and I am so excited. I am so excited <laughs> to have 
have her on the show. You know how you meet people and God just does a kingdom connection. And that's exactly right. what happened with me and this young lady. It was just a kingdom connection. And it was mm-hmm. like, you know, I need to get you on the show. And it was just like, like really mm-hmm. first time, like kind of laying eyes face to face. Um, with each yeah. other, we both broadcast. As you know, Tanya, we're syndicated on the God's Glory Network, and um, and this young lady is doing the same thing. But we we connected the end of September, and I tell you, I just really I believe it to be a kingdom connection and just of God. Yeah. So would you yeah. help me welcome to the show our sister in the Lord, Angela? Angela, welcome, welcome, hey, welcome. Angela. <laughs> Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this broadcast. Amen, amen. We're excited. We are continuing our series on Paths to Purpose. A couple of things that God shared with me this week, and it just kind of stood out with me. And that was, one of them was just like, um, we need to allow our purpose to manifest and not try to manufacture it. And when the Lord put that in my spirit, he gave me the analogy. Um, and I think all of us on, on the line right now are old enough to remember. Um, probably uh, the millennials that listen to us probably won't remember this, this commercial. But back in the day when they had cassette tapes, there was a company, and the company was named Memorex. And Memorex's um, tagline was, is it live or is it Memorex? Because supposedly their, their cassettes were so clear that you could not tell if, it were, if you were at the, the recording live or if you were just hearing mm-hmm. the tape. And what God wow, gave okay. me in the midst of that analogy is sometimes we allow ourselves to manufacture the the purpose that someone else thinks that we need to walk in as opposed mm. to manifesting the purpose that God has placed within us. And when we do right. that, we take on this persona that it's real. Okay. It's mm-hmm. manifested. It's not, I'm sorry, it's manufactured because we're just trying to please what everybody else says we need to be doing instead of mm. allowing that that was actually placed within us to manifest. So I want to encourage our listeners as you listen to the show today to recognize that you don't want to manufacture purpose. You want what God placed in you because he is the reason for your existence. And so you want to walk in what he is calling you to and not what somebody else is trying to push you into. With that being said, I would love you, Angela, just to share some of the things that you have walked through in your path to understanding your purpose. I know you've just recently released a book of devotions and you've got a lot going on in your life, but at the same time, you're recognizing your core to be Christ. So talk about that. Wow. Thank you. Okay. So uh, first and foremost, I, I must give honor to God for all that is taking place in my life for um, I'm in a, a period in, in my life where I truly recognize that it's nobody but God. So I have to give honor where honor is due. I would have never been able to overcome the challenges that I've had all throughout my life. I would have never been able to accomplish some of the things that I've been blessed to accomplish through 
through just knowing God for myself. So, again, I have to appreciate just being in the place where I, I want my ears to be open. I'm constantly trying to hear from God. I'm constantly not trying to have a manufactured uh, journey, uh, as you mentioned. I know how, like, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, you know, the, the stories we hear, you know, you got to go to school. You got to get a good job. You got to meet a husband. You got to get a, you got to have a family. Mm-hmm. You got to get the house. You got to, it's the, yeah. you know, all these ideals of how it's supposed to go. And that's the way it, it, it mm-hmm. appears to be successful when you do it that way. But I, I come from a, a, a place where I fully understand that even after having most of the things that people so-called consider uh, success, you know, you you, 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 you you meet a husband, you you have a family, you have a home, you you have your cars, you you're working, you're not you you know you know not begging for pennies to feed your children, and then at, at some point when it when it comes to a, 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 a crash, I should say. Um, that's where you really have to take a pause and just say, like, yeah, well, what, what, what does it mean now? Because when you're living a life mm. where you're satisfied, you're content, and you're comfortable, it's sort of like, well, why did all this it, it happen for me to have that experience for what? So, I, again, I acknowledge God for revealing certain things to me and, 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 and doing it at a time when I was ready and prepared to receive what he was saying. Sometimes, like, um, because... I, I, I appreciate you sharing that manufacturer, and I don't really know that 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 what you were saying in reference to you know the tape, um, you know the cassette tape player. I know I don't really know that slogan or that I've heard that before. But when you think about uh, your life and how it's supposed to go this way, or you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to stand, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to walk in, you're supposed to—it's all be supposed to be. But we're not really, really mm-hmm. uh, being attentive to what God is saying. What did God say? Yeah, God may have told you to do this, or maybe you may have told you to do that, or maybe have pointed you in, a, in one direction. But what is God saying to me? It became my journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I can admit, I can admit, I did not always know God. I can tell you that um, in my journey, if I if I can just start with just explaining, uh, um, I, I'm a, I'm a woman, <laughs> born and raised in Jersey City, and um, with the with the challenges that goes on in, in childhood, you know, childhood experiences, um, the, the, the trials and tribulations within my family, just always knowing God, having a praying grandmother. Both my grandmas were praying grandmothers, but um, my father's mom passed away when I was eight years old. So I really was mm. nurtured under the umbrella of my mother's uh, mom. And um, and just knowing, seeing a woman uh, who just had integrity, who just had that uh, big mama spirit, who just took on everything for everybody and just was all of that to everybody. So that's just witnessing my grandmother and her journey. Uh, I do realize that it wasn't no coincidence that I had a grandmother, a praying grandmother, uh, a grandmother who believed in God, who shared with us God. We got to experience God through her, through her and her, her journey. But I really didn't get to have a relationship with God until after I was married with children. I was married with children, mm. and I was uh, in that manufactured type of, uh, I guess, scenario where, okay, you have this, you have that, you have a husband, you have children, you have your home, and you're happy, and, mm. and, and, and now what is missing? Amen. Actually, I didn't have, I didn't have a mm. home when I didn't, I didn't have, I wasn't in my home, um, in our own house whenever um, my husband and I first got married, my ex-husband and I first got married, but what I will say is that we were okay 
<laughs> you know how like okay. you, you look at certain struggles of certain individuals and in, around you, and you're like, no, that, that's not my journey. I was I was okay, but um, mm-hmm. I was still missing something. And, and at, at yeah. the time, neither one of us was following God. We didn't implement God in our in our home at that time. We at that time, we I guess we were two two or three children in. Uh, right now, I, I have a total of five children, but maybe like uh, I guess about thirteen years ago. Or so um, I just was longing for something, and I was like, no, I want to. I thought it, it's sort of like right now. I can tell you, it was the calling. God was calling me. He understood yes. that it was time for me to start responding to the call, but I was in the fantasy of it all. Like, I'm good, though. I, yes. work, I, I, did, I did it. I eat, you know, we're not begging bread. I was content. I was satisfied with life as is, but God started calling me. And I will say to you, I, I'm speaking from, you know, a spiritual aspect right now. Here we are 13 years later, and I can say what I know it was. But, again, those seeds that was planted along my my journey, you know, and, and, and now knowing that it really was God calling me or trying to keep me from going that way or doing that thing or, you know, just understanding that when God has a call on your life, he doesn't have time or he can't risk you getting caught up or indulging in certain activities or being around mm. certain people. So it's sort of like he, he, he builds a hinge of protection around you where you see maybe your girlfriends mm-hmm. are getting involved in this, that, and the other, or maybe your family members are doing this, that, and the other. It's sort of like Come on. the reason why you are so, so I guess, in somebody else's eyes, so corny or you're not, you know, a part of that in crowd is because there's a calling on your life. That God Come on. Mm-hmm. time for you to risk getting caught up in all the nonsense. He needs you to see yes. things up close and personal. I'm, I'm telling you, I came from a, 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 a family where we've seen a lot. We've been through a lot. We've done a lot. But God protected me in the midst of all that. While I was up close and personal, mm. seeing some of the things that the family members were going through, it's because he needs me to understand that you're not going to deal with a man who's going to knock you up top of your head. You're not going to get involved oh. with drugs or have somebody convince you to get uh, addicted oh. to drugs or, or drink alcohol. Yeah, I don't need you caught up in that mess. I need you to see what it's like from somebody else's point of view. And I'm speaking as Come a woman who knows God was calling me all this time. So when I'm speaking, yeah. I'm speaking because now when I look at my journey and I see like, wow, no wonder I never liked cigarettes. No wonder I never liked the drinking. Never, never, I never mm. craved alcohol. I never, and these are things that I know it wasn't because, oh, I'm just all that. No, God didn't, he did not put that in me because he, he wanted to protect me for a time such as this. So I can see back Come on. Look at my journey and, and think about the times whenever I, I was living the life where I was satisfied, where I was content, and God was calling me. I was I was I was at a point where though my ex husband and I didn't it followed us the the same faith. He didn't understand why I kept going to church. He didn't understand why I kept reading the Bible. He didn't understand the calling on my life. He didn't understand it. Uh-huh. So it brought some various challenges in our home whereas he was questioning how, who he was as a man in my house. Like, why oh, you're not following me no more, you it was the certain confrontations that I had just as a result of being obedient to God's call. So with that being said, now that I look back on it, I say, wow, no wonder I wasn't comfortable uh, uh, reading the Bible in front of him because I wasn't supposed to be reading the Bible in front of him. I needed to be in a space where I was comfortable reading the Word of God. Not like, oh, my goodness, I don't Come want to offend him. Oh, my goodness, I don't want to be mad. And I'm, and he was not atheist. I will say, if I, if I say another word before I say another word, my ex-husband was as supportive as he could be with the limited knowledge he knew about God and his Come on. Come on. Life. 
So he was not able to see what I saw from the spiritual aspect. He only Come saw on. that it seems like I was I was doing this thing on my own, and all of a sudden he didn't understand what was this thing going on, and I just was like, no, oh, but I, I know I'm, I'm I'm becoming better, and I, I know I was feeling better. I was understanding that, oh, my goodness, now that this thing is bringing challenges in my home, how do I get my children to know God without a, a, a causing confusion in my home, more confusion in my home? Because it was just so much going on. And, 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 and with, 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 well, let me pause for a second because I will say this. You know, I grew up in a family that always uh, uh, raised us to be, to be black and be proud. My grandmother, she was um, our landlord. She had her, all her children lived in one building. So I grew up, I was born and raised and nurtured in a, a family, an apartment building where it was nothing but aunts and uncles and cousins and big cousins and just a family and love. And within that environment, I knew what love felt like. I knew what it was like to have love. So I never was a, a young girl thirsty looking for love or companionship. Or I know I, I had that on my childhood. And by the time I became older and by the time we started branching off in our, in our own directions, we still had that core, love. So I never was a one hungry or thirsting for, for love or attention because I got plenty of that within my own family, within those grounds of, of just family. You know, so moving fast forwarding to whenever I started getting involved in relationships and that kind of thing, I can look back and I'll say that I was 16 years old when I was involved with my oldest daughter's boyfriend. I was in high school dating and I, and I, my young heart was in love with the baby daddy. That's what I was in love with. And, and, and it came a point to where though, um, things occurred in his life where he was facing time. He was about to be incarcerated, facing 25 years of life. And this is not about anybody else's journey. This is just, you know, God revealing to me certain things that occurred in my life and why it was necessary for me to be detached from somebody that I was just so in love with. I was 16. By the time I was 19, I was pregnant, and he was facing 25 years of life, and I was three months pregnant. So I understand that this is not a coincidence that God, why you could have made that happen before I got pregnant. Like, why well, I got to be pregnant with this man's child, and he's not going to be here to help me raise this child. That's why, that's why I was like, what? This was a frightening Deep. situation. Boy. But it was my mother who told me, listen, I'm going to be there for you. Don't worry about it. And imagine I was pregnant. I had to graduate high school with a, a belly, and then I'm feeling like, what next? <laughs> what next? I got a baby coming, and the baby daddy's not around. So, again, in hindsight, when I look back and I see how God was, okay, you thought that you had all the right answers, but now it's time for you to get focused on me. And I still wasn't focusing on God. God was calling me for a long time, but I wasn't responding. I never understood that, you know, when he removes something out of your life, and sometimes we get caught up in, oh, well, that's what happened. You see, he did that. No. Why were you connected to something that God was trying to prevent you from being connected to? I didn't want you to mm, attach to that. Mm. We know everything happens That's for a word reason. right and there. Sometimes the, the needless pains we bear because we get caught up in doing things our own way. You, you know, I got to tell you, mm-hmm. my flesh wasn't, uh, wasn't even prepared or close to being prepared to listen to God calling me. What? At 19? What? I don't, I'm not listening. God, I enjoy this moment right here. I enjoy all the things that I'm satisfying in my flesh. And, yes, I'm, I, I, was not, I was not prepared uh, uh, at that point. But, again, hindsight, looking back now, I can say, like, wow, okay. So here we go. Fast forward wow, to wherever. Uh, uh, by, the, by the time my daughter was three years old and, and I met my ex-husband, it was sort of like, wow, 
this is sort of like uh, everything different from anything I ever experienced. He was opposite of the thug that I used to be attracted to because I was I was into you know the, the, the you know the roughnecks kind of you know kind of guys. Mm, and bad boy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That was me. Uh, um, but I can mm. say by the time I met my ex-husband, it was like I was already. Um, how do I say? Okay, let's just say when I had my child, my daughter, my oldest daughter, I spent the first two years of her life on welfare. Eventually, I got my first job. By the time I met my ex-husband, I was working for about a year or so or two years or so. But nonetheless, um, when he came into the picture, my brother and I were roommates in our own apartment. I was paying my own bills. I sort of had that independence, and I, you know, was growing on my spot because we, we were living on our own since, you know, my daughter was, you know, one years old. So by the time he came into the picture, it was sort of like, you know, I, I wasn't looking for somebody to take care of me. It's sort of like um, I don't mind having a boyfriend, but I really don't need anything. However, my ex-husband um, just was just so different, just so different. I mean, just so family-oriented, just so – he was just such a good spirit, just something different to the point that, you know, I was looking at him like, oh, this guy's so corny. Because I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at him like, oh, my gosh, you don't do anything but – here it is. Um, here he is, and and here I am. Like, and and five years later, we we got married, and from that point on, we started having children. We didn't prepare for a life of of serving God, putting God first. We just the manufactured thing is okay. You meet somebody, you like that person, you you get with that person, and you get married, and then you start that journey. I don't care where you find yourself in the journey when you connect with somebody. You're supposed to get married, and then you're supposed to live happily ever after. Wow. When when challenges start happening, and if you both are not grounded in God, you both are going to get caught up and lose your way because your identity mm. is all in what God said about you. I didn't know who I was as a a, a, a woman and a wife. I didn't know all the, the things that God said a woman and a wife should do for her husband. I came in with all these preconceived notions, you know, when I was young, like I said, my family, don't you let no man do this. Don't you do this. And you better get a big black, big problem. You know, I had all these things about, oh, no, you're not, I'm not that one. You know, I had this little, uh, uh, little, I don't know, attitude, sort of like almost like an arrogance to me. And it was sort of like something that wasn't, that was not good in a marriage. When you're in a marriage, there has to be a humble spirit that takes place. I mean, there has to be a, 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 a longing to uh, satisfy your mate, a longing to want to be more submissive. I'm, I didn't have any type of submissive spirit in me. So, again, by the time we were, in, you know, married and here I am in this marriage and I'm supposed to be happy and, and, and I'm missing something. So by the time I started getting into really reading about God and learning about God and, and responding to the call, it started causing more confusion to where I was saying, then if, 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 I hope you're not jealous of God. I can see if I'm trying to get closer to another man, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to please God. The journey became for me like, well, how do I please God and serve God and at the same time keep a happy home? How do I, oh, I got to do this. I, I don't want to sneak around and say, oh, well, I'm going to my girlfriend's house and then I'm going to church. And I thank God that my um, that my ex-husband never made it that difficult for me to serve God. I should say that. My guilt and my knowing that, you know, he had certain issues with me in church church and this kind of thing, it made me, it made my journey, it, I, I put a lot of stuff in my own, in, in, in my head, and then it was how do I juggle both, how do I be this here and then be that there, 
And then at some point in my journey, I got comfortable with serving God in my home. And my, um, and my ex-husband got comfortable because he realized that I'm not trying to teach the kids to join a cult or anything. This is just, we're just trying to learn a little something about the Lord. So, again, by the time, you know, I got started getting closer to God, here comes this issue in my marriage, and boom, I'm dealing with infidelity. And I'm like, wow, God, geez, what happened now? <laughs> I thought I was better. I thought I was being better. I was more submissive. I'm, you know, yada, yada, yada. And it was like he, he – I, I went from knowing who I was to just not knowing who I was or thinking I knew who I was, I should say, because I, I will tell you, I really didn't actually get to know the real me until after I was separated, and I understood that all my life I was spinning wheels trying to be everything for everybody, but by the time I was separated, mm. I really got to know who I was as a woman because now I don't have to listen or answer to this one or like or do this, or or jump for that. You understand? So I got to a point in my journey where I, I when I thought I knew who I was, here I am dealing with infidelity, and now I, I got to re, re, reprogram, deprogram, and try to figure out how I'm going to fix this thing, because that was my thing. I'm always into fixing it more. So by the time I got to a point where I saw that he himself was uh, craving more attention from me, you're always busy, you're always doing this, you're always doing that. I stopped going to church. I stopped doing. I stopped being as active as I was at that time. I had an organization, a um, young woman with purpose. I started that um, back in 2007, and you know I used to do things for girls mentor mentoring programs. So I was heavily involved in that. So I started, you know, putting that off, putting that on the side because my my ex husband at that time I was like he needs me. He's calling me. He's requiring me to be uh, more available to him. So when I started doing all that. There was, uh, you know, we did the little counseling for a little while. The forgiveness was supposed to have taken place, but I really didn't forgive, I, I will say. Infidelity, uh, his first affair resulted in a, in a love child. So now here we are dealing with baby mama issues on top of us both not even knowing who we are as individuals. We just was thrown into this manufactured picture, this scenario, and we're supposed to stay together. We're supposed to be happy because we have one another. We're, you know, we, we have a home. We have a family. So we're supposed to be happy. But when you're not happy, and you don't even know how to tell the other person you're not happy, he didn't know how to tell me he wasn't happy. I didn't know how to tell him I wasn't happy. So we were just going through the motions. It's sort of like we're just, you know, going through the motions in this little fantasy world or, or, or manufacturing idea of what is supposed to be going on in our, our lives at that point. So when he wasn't happy, I wasn't happy, and we just, neither one of us was able to say, I'm not happy, and we're just going to make this work, we're going to do this thing. By the time we hit another brick wall, by the time he, you know, started, he had a, a second affair, I knew right then it was time to detach because the pain and the hurt, the humiliation that I dealt with as a result of, of the first affair I'm now revisiting all those feelings again two years later in this journey. You're asking me to do this for the rest mm-hmm. of my life, except your love child and all this. And two years into the journey, you, you, you done failed me again. So my heart couldn't take being attached to him anymore. And, and the craziest part about that in my journey at that point, I still wasn't sure if God was telling me to leave. I, I, I knew I wasn't happy. I knew that this was a, a ground for divorce. I knew a lot of things. However, it was unsure because I had that manufactured ideal uh, of what, girl, what do you mean? You got a husband, he's, he's willing to work this out, and, and you're, y'all can do this. It was sort of like that, but it became clear to me, and I can say this now, but at that time I didn't realize it. 
whenever he had his first affair, I got so caught up into trying to please him and satisfy him that I started turning away from God. And I believe that the second time when it happened, God was trying to help me understand. You started focusing on him more than you started serving me. I stopped serving God as much. I wasn't going to church. I wasn't doing all the things that I was doing. And I'm not, again, this has absolutely nothing to do with my ex-husband. It comes to where I need to understand that I was not handling situations based on the way God wanted me to. I wasn't getting the right signs. In my head, I always had all the answers. I always had all that's the other that's another flaw that I had that I had to grow out of. I always had the right answer. I always knew, okay, this happened because I gotta do this. Oh no, this means that I have to do this. I always had the right answer or in my head I always had the right answer. So I never had my ears open or or really in tune to what God was saying. I didn't see what God was saying because I already had the answer. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't need to consult with God because I already had the answer. So it came a point in my journey when, mm-hmm. whenever I was uh, destroyed, understanding that I had to let go of a broken marriage, that I was no longer willing to be a participant in this make-believe fantasy of what a family and what happiness is. I didn't want to be a, a, a willing participant anymore because I wasn't happy. I was no longer happy, and the man that I married is no longer able to do the things that he used to do to make me happy because he was already caught up in I need to do what makes me happy because he was sort of like, I'm tired of this. You know, he had his own stuff. We both had our own journeys, and I don't ever want to sound as if I'm pointing fingers at or accusing him of being the wrong person in this party because we each were not sincere about where we were in our journey at that time. We each were unhappy, but we were just playing the part. We were just going through the motions. And whenever I sat back and I realized what I was trying to hold on to was just unhappiness, I realized that, you know, infidelity was grounds for divorce, and my conscience became clear after, you know, I realized that he wasn't built to to take this long haul. You know, like, you you know, if you want to sign up with somebody on the team, you want to make sure that, that, that your partner is capable of, of, of carrying the ball at least. You got you to gotta be, be fit of at least committed to, to, to doing your part. So when your partner's already bailing out and, and he's making it evident in the words that he's saying, he's no longer speaking with confidence, I don't know what I want. Those kind of words. You know how, like, women, we don't even realize when signs are all around us. What do you mean you don't know what you want? You know you still want to be mm. right here. We're going to make you say what we want you to say because we want to hear this, but mm. we're not saying those words. We're still open to abuse. We're still staying vulnerable or open and accessible to the abuse. If somebody starts treating you a certain way, speaking to you a certain way, neglecting you a certain way, not being available to you a certain way. These are all signs that you're still looking for. No, 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 if I, if I still hang in there, if I still, you're still looking for what? A sign, what's the signs all there? <laughs> because a man that wants a woman, a man who wants to be there, a man who wants to be that thing, all that for you, he's going to make sure you are aware. You're not going to be trying to figure out, well, does he really want it? Does he, does he really want to be here? So I came a point in my journey mm. to where, though, I understood I was holding on to unhappiness. And the one thing I can tell you that um, I can vividly, oh, vividly remember uh, being a child. Remember I told you we grew up in an apartment building where we all lived in an apartment building, and I witnessed my cousins go through things with boyfriends before I was even, you know, of age to even date. I remember maybe nine or nine years old or so, and one of my older cousins had a boyfriend, and at that time he decided he wanted to start seeing another girl. 
And my, my cousin used to go through the motions and fighting a girl and doing all that kind of stuff. And this one particular time, I mean, they were going through this. I can't even, I don't even know how long it was going on, a couple of months, a couple of weeks, I don't know. But nonetheless, he was going from one girl to the next, one girl to the next. But nonetheless, this one particular time, she was on the, we were, I was on our porch. He, the, he was there, and, and, and she was confronting him. Like, he was, he was going to make a decision. And, and he chose her. He chose the girl. He chose the other girl. And I watched my big cousin who I idolized. Oh, she's such a pretty girl. And I watched her heart be, like, crushed right there in front of everybody on the block. And she was standing there saying, well, she's going to punch the girl in the face or whatever. However, you know, she was, you know, threatening the girl. And he said, you're not going to touch her. And she went on and on. And he smacked my cousin. He smacked her so hard that I think the whole block heard that smack. So my mother came down to mm. and at that time my mother fell like, do you hear him telling you? that he does not want you. Don't you sit there and let no man embarrass you. And she just went off. I just remember, I can, I just remember the, 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 the words coming out of my mother, my mother's mouth, to her niece, my cousin, and she was instructing her, don't you let no man humiliate you, don't you, whatever. And I can't remember word for words what she said, but I got that message at the age of nine years old. So here I am, a mother, I'm, I'm married with children, and this is my, my husband. I ain't letting no man play me out, but this is my husband. I have every right to stand up and fight for my marriage because this is my husband. I, I, I got papers on him, like this is my husband. But am I willing to lose myself over, over, over a title whenever the husband's not respecting me as his wife? Like that pedestal I would put him mm. on. If I'm going to go in for anybody, if I'm going to go all in for anybody, I will go all in for this man right here. Are you serious? That's my husband. But when you have a man sitting in there and he, in his little ways, he's just showing you that you're not all that to me anymore. That's a harsh reality to accept. So I had to start, like, those nights when I was crying out to God. Because at that point, I had asked my ex-husband to leave, and he was in his own apartment, and he was in his own apartment, and I still was being accessible. I still was like, oh, maybe if he just says this, then we can work on it, get counseling, and we can fix this. Because in my heart, I wasn't convicted that this was, this was it. I was still like, no, 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 no. You know, God, if God, you know, give me a sign. And he was giving me signs all that time, but I was ignoring the signs. I was ignoring those signs. And I can tell you right now, I can remember, I can reflect back on those nights of just crying, just crying, waking up in the middle of the night thinking that it was time like, God, what, what? And I just started turning those nights of crying and, and, and uncertainty to time to seek God, God, give me a sign. God, speak to me. God, give me clarity. I just started speaking to God, and he would refer me to scriptures. And as he was referring me to scriptures, I would write certain scriptures down because I needed to remind myself, like, when I get back to this place, I want to remind myself of what did God say? What did God say? I had to, I started getting, my lifestyle started coming, uh, um, I should say, transformed into how God wanted me to handle it because I was, in my, in my heart, my heart was still connected to this man. I said, I want to work to make this work. I, I'm still connected. No, that's my husband. If I'm going to go in for anybody, I'll go in for him. But whenever it was coming evident, okay, now you're in your own apartment, but now you're starting to date. Now you're not even answering phone calls like you used to. Now you're not, it's not no longer talking about what, what how we're going to move from this point. It's sort of like, I'm, I'm living, I'm doing me. So when I was those real hardcore reality checks started checking in, and I was still in a place to where though I was like um, not certain of how to move on, 
I had family in my ear. I had everybody tell me what I should do. I got to a point where I just cut off everybody because I wanted to hear God. I understood that this was a a, a real, uh, a vital uh, part in my journey that I needed to make the right decision. I couldn't stand there wasting years wondering if we're going to ever get back to the way things used to be. We both were older. We both had different experiences, and I just understood it was time to let go. But it wasn't until um, I got past it and I thought I had to forgive it. Hey, I forgave. I'm I'm done. I'm over this. And and then I had the challenges of people telling me how I'm supposed to react to this. Oh, my goodness, that man did this. You shouldn't be doing this. Oh, you better take him to court. You better get him for all he got. And I was like, I don't want none of that. In my head, I said, I don't want that kind of drama in my life. At this point, I can tell you that um, my my parents, when I grew up, my parents were, um, they suffered from, from drug addictions. My mother got clean and sober sooner than my father did. However, when he was still out there, my mother always encouraged us, you look out after your father. Don't you ever look down on your father. You take care of your father. You, you know, my mother always gave us words to where we've seen somebody suffering from drug addiction, but that's my father. You're not going to talk about my father. You're not going to bash my father. You're, you know, it came a point to where we just understood that we've seen past the weakness. And not only do I see past the weakness, I want you, everybody who wants to talk about him, you're not talking about my father in front of me. You understand? Because it came to a point that, no, 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 I need you to understand that's my father and my brother is my father. He may be falling short, but that's my father. So I understood that while I was going through my journey, the same family members, family members who were willing to stone my ex-husband, you're not going to do That's my children's father. Are you serious? Uh, you know, he may have done this to me, but they still need to honor him in a certain light. They still need to see him as their, no, we're not doing this. So I got to a point where people didn't understand how I was so able to overlook all the stuff I went through and still say, no, we're not doing that. He without sin let him draw the first stone, that kind of thing. I had that outlook. And, and I can remember certain family members telling me, like, girl, you got your mind. How could you? I don't even know how you can do that. And that's another word in, in our community where we hear that a lot. I was, oh, girl, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Oh, I don't know. I just, yeah, you, 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 you're right. You couldn't do it. That's why God didn't give that trial to you. That's why God didn't allow you to be tempted mm-hmm. in that way. That's why God didn't give that to you. He gave it to me because he understood. He put me in a place. He put in in me everything I was going to need for this journey right here. So even while I'm still unsure and uncertain, while everybody's telling me what I should be doing, I don't want to hear anything from anybody. I cut off everybody, and I got into this, like, year, like, like two years of just being in a, 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 a sort of a routine, work, home, church, home, work home, event home, family house home. I just got to where I didn't need to be around anybody because I, my mom, I, at that point my brain couldn't take hearing everybody's opinion about what they think and how I'm supposed to move, the manufactured way of living and things, and, 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 and how do you respond to this kind of pain? When a man does this, you do that. When he does it, you, when he says this, you say that. And so I got to words I don't want to even talk about him. I need to, I need to hear what God wants me to do. And he wanted me to represent him while I was going through the worst challenge of my life to date. The worst experiences I've had came at the the hands of a man who gave me the greatest experiences in life. It's sort of like the same man I can look and hold up to a pedestal and say, oh, I had some wonderful years. This man gave me a good, I didn't want, I mean, I may have wanted some once, but my needs were met 
my ex-husband was a good provider. He had he was a man of integrity. His father raised him when he was a man of integrity. But now here we are in this part of our journey where we're both reacting to the circumstances. And now he and I both are lost our way. But we're not going to – trust me, I did a lot of throwing stones, a lot of backbiting, kicking his back in. I did a lot of that in the unforgiving state when I was not totally over what had happened. I did a lot. I said a lot, and I can't take the – I can't take any of that back. However, when I look at this man, and I know that, you know, just like my father failed me in his role as my father when he was addicted to drugs, he neglected me as my father. He was not available to me as my father. However, he failed my father. He fell short, but that's my Mm. father. So the man that you gave me life, has failed and, 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 and fallen short, and he, he, he has felt me. Now, look, how much more do I expect from any other man? If I can forgive my father, I can certainly forgive him. It didn't happen overnight. I can certainly tell you it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. But I can say the same way I pointed out my parents were um, uh, had suffered from drug addictions when I was younger, they've both been clean and sober for over 20 years. I can say that if people would have stoned my father, if people would have stoned my father when he was out there wandering in the wilderness, they would have never gave him an opportunity to prove just how great God is. God cleaned him up, delivered him, and saved him from those streets. And now my father has a ministry where he goes into jails and he and he ministers to people who need the word, and he does that for his ministry. He attends the church. He's a deacon, yada, yada. However, God will have us go through certain challenges because he wants to use us in a certain way. I, I couldn't impact the lives of people who are on drugs the way um, an, an ex-drug addict can. Um, broken women, let's just say, for instance, women who have been through, through challenging times in their life. And then there are those who just never really had those kind of issues. I ain't never have to deal with no husband cheating. Oh, no, I ain't never had none of those trials. That means that you're not going to be the one that's going to help me in my journey because I don't need somebody that's going to shun or look down on somebody who's going through a trial like mine. I need somebody who went through a trial like mine. And I gravitated to those women who were willing to share their story about how they overcame that humiliation, that embarrassment, how they overcame that unforgiving heart. I needed, God understood that I was going to need those kind of women in my journey. And those are women who took out time to pour into me, to nurture me, to encourage me, to inspire me, to speak life back into me, a broken vessel. Because that's what I was. I was broken, didn't want no parts of anything or anybody. So again, now that I can sit back and I can look at this part of my journey and be like, wow, God, you mean all this time you were trying to get my attention for what? For what? And I'm still, I'm still like every day I'm discovering new things. I'm, I'm learning new things. But I will say that the worst challenges in my life, the worst experience of, in my life inspired me to write my first book of devotionals. My first book of the devotionals was entitled Path to Still Waters. As we know, Still Waters is a place of peace. I didn't get peace until I detached from my ex-husband and all the madness that came with it, the, uh, the former mistress. Oh, that's a whole other story within itself. I can tell you about the stuff that that woman used to do. She never knew me, never knew me. But when my ex-husband made the decision to stay with me, I became her target. It's sort of like she was trying to fight for a man that was, 
not her husband. She was trying to fight for my husband. So I had a journey was like, I'm like, see what you did. You got this woman. She's coming after me. I never did anything to that woman a day in my life. Never even saw her face. Mm. Never met her. At that point, she was pregnant, and she was trying to figure out how I'm going to get him back. And I became her target. So here I am. I was dealing with whole life, like, craziness. And by the time all that was over and I was trying to find my, my, a peace and trying to get a forgiving heart, God just started telling me to write my journey down. Not, not word for word about, oh, and on this night, this one said that to me. On this night, he did this. Nothing about those, you know, details of what happened to get me broken. It was about how did I heal you after that brokenness? How did I bring you back to life after feeling like you were just down? I mean, I've never experienced that kind of pain in my life. And it came at the hands of a man who I I can still say to this day, my ex-husband gave me some of the greatest experiences in my life. I, I, I he, he blessed me with children. I, it was, had not been for him. All my children, I know they were not an accident. They are, you know, I know they were like, oh, my goodness, what happened? You got me. no. None of that was an accident. None of those things were an accident. And I can still look back on my, 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 my marriage and said I was happy up until his infidelity. I was I was I was I was content, I should say, up until his infidelity. By the time our our journey began really getting hardcore when I started getting close to God, it sort of was like I I was trying to find my identity and still keep my voice like, Oh no, I know what God said to me, I know what God but you can't talk God talk to somebody who not listen. I don't I don't hear no I don't hear all this crap you're saying and she like, What are you talking about? So even like women we have this thing where we, we always try to tell everybody everything that's going on. When God is talking to you, he's talking to you. He didn't tell you to break all this stuff down. Because I will, I'm always wanting to be understood. I don't want you to think that when I do this I'm doing this because I don't do it. No, stop. I was always trying to explain what where I was at and what part of my journey. But whenever I detached from my ex-husband and uh, God was telling me to write it down, it's sort of like I just wanted to share the experience of how, you know, uh, it's four chapters in that book. Um, first chapter is acceptance. Accepting our trial is important. Accepting the things that we can't change is important. Is that, I can tell you that I did not accept that my ex-husband was ready to, to move on and not bring me along the journey. I, I didn't accept that in the beginning. I was saying, oh, maybe if I just be show a little more of God and be a little more patient and be a little more humble, a little more submissive, I was not accepting that he had had enough. <laughs> He's done. He was done. I didn't accept that in the beginning. And then at the end, when everyone was all said done and over and said and done, I had to accept that it was done. It's, it's no reviving this. It's done. I had to accept that. Second chapter is on repentance. I had to um, repent to God because I said a lot, did a lot. I, I mean, there were some harsh words that I said to the former mistress, to everybody who played a part in that journey. I'm, uh, I said some harsh things. And then it was uh, three, um, forgiveness. Forgiveness was the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life. I never knew that because all my life I always was a nice person, you know. I was nice. I'd be nice. I'd treat people how I want to be treated, yada, yada, yada. But forgiving my ex took like three years. It was like... And I and even when I thought I forgive, I forgave, something would happen, and then it would show that, oh, there you go. You just really didn't forgive. My children would be on the phone with him, and I'd be like, get out of here with that phone. I didn't want to hear his voice. I didn't even want to hear his voice. Why? Because my heart wasn't in a forgiving place. Why? Because he still bothered me. Why? Because I, I just, I still, I still was bitter. I really was. 
here I am struggling and everything about my journey was like, if he wanted to do this, I wouldn't be doing going through this. If he wanted to do that, my, my journey was, oh, I, I just was blaming him for everything. Once I truly learned how to forgive, I stopped looking at him as the reason as to why I was experiencing those certain things. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Joseph, when he was betrayed by his brothers and when he was over in Egypt, God knew he needed to be there for such a time whenever, you know, his brothers would be coming looking for food. Joseph saved his brothers in his land. Why? Because he didn't look at it like, oh, I'm bitter, I'm angry, I'm going to be. No, he understood that. The reason why I'm here is because God understood I needed to be. God knew before I knew. Even Joseph didn't understand. He didn't understand why he was there. He didn't understand why he had to go through those trials. But when he was in that place, and even after his brothers came and, 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 and at some time, as you know, whenever his father died, they confronted him like, oh, now he's going to be mean to us because daddy's gone. He was like, are you serious? You're tripping. Oh, why would I do that? Are you serious? I needed to be here for such a time as this. So when you get to a place where you can understand that, oh, my goodness, the things that I went through on my journey, I needed to get all that stuff. I needed to know what hardcore betrayal is because I still need to represent God while I'm going through that stuff. And even right now, the various challenges that I'm experiencing, and, and it's not no, it's not nothing to say, oh, yeah, the world is me. Oh, I got this going on with my mother, this was my brother, this my son, my son, my children. There's no woe is me story. Your journey changes when you understand that. Everything is working out for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. But what is keeping us from hearing God's voice? Our trials, our tribulations, the things that we're experiencing, the, the, the things that we are not able to accept and let go, that unforgiving heart, the bitterness, the un- inability to, to appreciate the moment. In, in my, in my um, book of um, first book of devotionals, uh, the last chapter is Thanksgiving. After forgiving, I, I wrote seven days on, 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 on Thanksgiving, just praising and worshiping and acknowledging God. How in the world can you be in the midst of a storm and still find a reason to praise and worship God? Because you first need to know who he is. God doesn't need me for anything. He doesn't need me for anything. But I need him everything. So when I mm. sort of got to the point to where so I knew in my journey that this one doesn't understand, I don't need to talk to this, I don't need to explain this to this one, what is God saying to you? So that's where I am right now in my journey. God, I want to hear your voice. I understand the distractions, the people who were uh, set up to try to take me off my course. I no longer want to be attached to that. That's what my, my journey became. What are your distractions? What are your weaknesses? I need to identify what, what, what my, my weaknesses are. When my flesh was still rising up and I'm starting to entertain certain friendships, what, what are my weaknesses? What are my hindrances? What, is my, what are my stumbling blocks? It's important to know what your stumbling blocks are. Now, they may not know who they are, but when you know who they are, now God had to pray on that day. God, I don't want to be caught up like this. I don't want to be distracted like this. God, I want you to have my undivided attention. And that's when you your journey becomes real because every morning when you're waking up in the wee hours in the morning, it's not to go checking to see who you talked to last or what somebody said on Facebook. It's like, God, I want to hear your voice. What are my instructions mm. for today? God, how do I be used today? Because I, I know, and, and when stuff come up again, because I went through so many things and so many things, and I, it's evident that when I apply God's word to the thing, it works. 
for when everybody is still telling me that how could you be doing this, that, and the other, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear what your version of the story is. I know what works. I know because I had those times when I didn't have a mother or father, and thank God both parents are alive, but I wasn't calling mommy and daddy in the middle of the night when I needed that right now attention, that right now uh, 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 the comfort. It was nobody but God. I mean, pouring, I mean, my eyes, my, the whole entire bed just drenched, the whole bed, saliva, mucus, just done. And then God would just start speaking to my spirit, and those tears would just pop. Nobody but God. It wasn't a pet talk from the person saying, girl, get up off that floor. Girl, why are you still crying over this? It was nobody but God. So that's where I'm at in, that, in my part of my journey. I'm, a, I'm in the version where it's okay. The first book of devotional was about how I got to a healing pro, pro, um, point in my life. My second book is uh, entitled Journey to Connecting with God because every person who does not know God for themselves, they just need to be uh, introduced to him. So I use 30 days of uh, uh, filled with scriptures on how to introduce the unbeliever to how you start your journey with God. Not that manufactured thing like, oh, we don't believe church because all churches are phony and pastors steal the money. Forget all of that what you heard about church because I came into church with those preconceived notions about, oh, you can't trust this one. Church is fake, phony. Stop all of the things that you heard about church. And you start seeking God for yourself. So that's why I was inspired to write Journey to Connecting with God. It's 30-day book of devotionals on uh, how a person can start seeking God for themselves. That's pretty much my spiel. Elda? Wow. <laughs> There's so much. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I am I am at all with God right this moment, to be perfectly God honest awesome. with you, because awesome. you touched on so many different veritables that especially we as women go through all the time, and yeah. some of us won't even discuss it, and they we won't be honest about our, our inward truth. So I thank God mm. for your, your transparency and being... Comfortable with being, you know, who you are to those that need Glory to hear that. You know, I, I'm serious. It's like we we all have our journeys. We've all traveled along um, some treacherous paths, and sometimes yeah. we travel those paths alone. And sometimes God will put people alongside of us to cheer us on, yeah. um, to give yeah. us a hand up. Because we stumble and yeah. fall on that path, we go through so many yeah. different things. But to be able to come, become true to who, to thine own self, okay, to thine own oh, self, Lord and true, to recognize what's within you, what's at the core right. of why you do what you do, is so vitally yeah. important on this path and on this journey yeah. that we walk through. As mm. I watched something this morning. And it really blew me away. I found it very, very fascinating and interesting because we most of the time take for granted what's inside of us. Um, mm-hmm. When we look at somebody else, we look at the outer shell, but we never know mm-hmm. what's strengthening the inner being, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and there was mm-hmm. a documentary on today about Lady Liberty, the Statue of Liberty. 
What okay. I never knew, I'm 63 years old, I promise you, I had never heard this before, is that her inner core is completely hollow except for the framework and the person that created the framework that keeps her standing for hundreds of years and through all the elements mm. was the same man that built the Eiffel Tower. Had no wow. idea. Had wow. no idea. But they knew that her creator, her her the person that took on the endeavor that took twenty one years for the realization of what he took on to come to fruition, he knew that within her core she had to be Wrong. Her outer shell is built by copper, and they said that the density of it is the width of two copper pennies. That's it. Mm-hmm. Wow. The width of wow. two copper pennies put together. Okay, and that's her outer core. It's all copper. Wow. So it's all about inner the core. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Yeah. Her inner core was crafted by a man, like I said, his last name is Eiffel. He built the Eiffel Tower and he had built several bridges and to, and they still, as a hundred years later, are still withstanding the element. And so when I That's listen awesome. to your story, I think about what God built within you. Mm. As you walk through mm. all these different phases of your life, it was that inner core that had to be strengthened for you to get Learned to where well. you are today to be a blessing to those that encounter your devotionals, to those that like today, like we are, we're blessed and honored to have been able to feel your journey as you walk through it. I mean, literally, and I'm sure Tanya will agree with me. It's like we walked that journey with you as you told your story. And and it's just amazing. It is amazing to me what God does within us. And we don't even realize what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Amen. That's amazing. Amen. All glory to God. All it is. To God. It's um, just amazing to me. I'm sorry. Say that again, Tam. I apologize. I was just saying it was just so amazing by her testimony and the things that she's gone through in her life and how many women, men as well, can get something from it. Doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean um, because of what she's gone through, men go through it as well. But mm-hmm. I just so think. Thank God for your sharing and for your realness of explaining what you've gone through and how God took you through many multifacets of your diamond, the cut yeah. and, the, and whatever you had to go through so you can shine now. And it's awesome. just, thank you. Yeah. I mean that from the bottom oh. of my heart because glory. it was like glory. a life experience and change for me. Oh, glory to God. I think it, it makes all of us step back and look. Yes. Um, the only thing I wanted to say is that, as you know, we all stand on the shoulders of people who come before us. So when you 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 you, you recognize that in your journey, okay, your foundation with your family, all those people who poured into you, yes, you needed that. And then there are times when God will, you know, uh, uh, use other people who are not 
related to you to help you along your journey. So I appreciate God for yes. every person you put in my life, spiritually minded person that understood that they were needed in my journey at such a time when I needed them. And if I if I can yes. names, uh, uh, that would <laughs> thank you. It will be Patricia Hayward, Sister Paulette. And Aunt Hilda, Hilda Carr Evans, those women, when I was in the weakest state of my life, they poured into me, nurtured me through those two years in the beginning of my new journey, I should say, because I'm still in the journey. But the beginning of that journey started when God put those instrumental women in my life who knew that I was needed, uh, needed to be nurtured back to, to health. And I'm, and I'm grateful for them, those individuals. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Amen. Man, the word says to give honor to where honor is due. So I thank yes. God for your testimony. We are out of time, but this has been wow. phenomenal. It has oh, been phenomenal. Thank you so thank you. very, very much, as I said, I for your willingness you. to come on and to share seriously. Because um, people need to yes. hear. People need to know that, you know, we don't just wake up one morning and we've arrived. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. You know, Certainly it's not. like the, 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 um, the movie, like the fifth element, you know, where you go into this chamber and they put you to sleep. And when you wake up, you've arrived mm-hmm. at your destination. No. It's not like that in real life. Not at all. Not at all. Like that in real life. Not at all. You know, we still have not arrived. We're still on this journey. We still have not. We are just learning. We are learning more and learning how to cope with life. But we're still, we're still learning more about God. But because we know who He is, He just like gives us. You said that core and that framework. It's like what I don't have to worry about the, the 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 things that's going on in this environment because God put in us what we need for this journey. We just can't be distracted by everything mm-hmm. else, and we'll be able to you know withstand the storm because while we're in while we're in our storm, we gotta stand on God's word. We have to yeah. stand on God's word. Absolutely. Well, amen. Thank you so, so very much for, for sharing. Tanya, do me a favor. I just really feel this in my spirit. Just pray us out tonight. Just cover us. Yes. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your infinite, your divine glory in your spirit. Thank you for touching yes. each individual one of our lives. It doesn't matter if we have a degree or not. We thank you for our yes. walk, our test our testimonies and our going through, because in that you're cutting us, pruning us and making us the diamond, the multifaceted being of who you have chosen to be from the predestined of the beginning of time. We thank you for all the individuals in our lives, whether they were good or bad. We thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, just for the glory and the honor. And we pray, Father God, we thank you for my sister, my sister in Christ, my my love of yes. my life, Elder Corlett, for just allowing us yes. to use this platform and the ability to be mm-hmm. able to reach out and touch many lives and souls. Yes. We pray this, Father God, that they will know you. We pray you, Father God, mm-hmm. that relationship with you and your divine yes. glory that we shall be changed forevermore. In yes, Jesus' God. name, we pray for many yes. others. Yes. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for this time. Thank you so much. Before we close out, can you tell our Amen for real? Before we close out, can you tell everybody where they can get your devotionals from? 
and your contact oh, information. Okay. I, I have a I have a website. Um the website is Angela Evans Publishing dot com. Um, on my website, I have um, the links to the the books that I have, and um, yeah, pretty much. And I am uh, Amazon actually has my my books as well. But again, Angela Evans Publishing, all one word dot com, and I can um, share that link um, under this post, I guess, later on. Um, uh, Elga, Absolutely. thank you again. Thank you so much for this time. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, sis, and we will do this again next week. Same God time, same God channel. God bless everybody. I Have love you both. God bless you. Love you back. God bless you both. Amen. Thank you. Let's keep it real.